0: Hey everybody, I'm Jen Garrett, and I've used my Move the Ball system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of move the ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the move the ball movement for quite some time, I'm glad that you're here with us today. And if you haven't yet done so, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice so that you don't miss out on any new episodes. Now, if you've listened to the show before, you know that I have a number of athletes on, as well as entrepreneurs and sometimes Fortune 500 executives. And when I have athletes on the show, most of them have been current or former football players and coaches. But Move the Ball isn't just about moving forward on and off the football field. It's about how that competitive athlete mentality connects to success in all sports, in business, and in branding and life. So I am always excited when I have a non-football athlete on so they can share their perspectives on what it takes to be successful and, and how they move the ball on and off the court, on and off the field, on and off the hockey rink. I've had some hockey guys on the show as well. So the other thing I'm excited about is when I have women athletes on the show because women are pretty awesome, I think, and I love having them share their perspectives on what success means to them and how they've been successful. So on the show with me today... On the show with us today inside the huddle with us and ready to help us to move the ball is mortise ivy mortise is a former college basketball player who happens to be one of the most athletic players in university of nebraska history and check this out she was the first player in husker history to surpass the 2000 point mark she was one of five players chosen to be on Nebraska's all-century team back in 2000, and she was also one of the 25 women of distinction chosen as part of the school's silver anniversary of women's athletic. Something else that's notable to share is that Mortiz has become the second Husker to have her jersey retired, and she, along with two other 2,000-point scorers, It's a lot of points, by the way, have been honored with giant banners featuring their names and numbers on display at Pinnacle Bank Arena. That's pretty cool. Mortise, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me, Jennifer. I'm looking forward.
0: Well, I'm so excited that we're on the show today. I know we talked about it for a little bit. And so it's good to have you on. And as I mentioned, when I opened the show, I'm really excited to have you on and sharing your basketball perspective as some of the people that are listening may not know. I mean, a lot of people know me because of football and they see move the ball everywhere. I mean, the podcast cover art has a football on it. But I was actually a basketball person. I played basketball point guard. And some people know that I have a football tattoo. Well, I actually also have a basketball tattoo. And I got that basketball tattoo when I was in college playing basketball. So I am definitely a basketball girl as well. So (laughs) so share with us, tell us about your journey and how you got into playing basketball. And I know you played other sports as well. But talk to us about your athletic journey.
1: Man, so first of all, I think, you know, I grew up right across the street from a park. Folks that live in Nebraska may be familiar with Fontenelle Park. I grew up right across the street from the park. I would see my dad, bless his soul, he just recently just passed away. And so I'm definitely carrying his light. But he was a a community guy. I mean, he had a little league football team. He coached basketball in the community. Uh, football and basketball for 30 years. And so naturally I gravitated towards sports. And so basketball courts outside, I would see it every day. I would see the guys playing and not any females out there at the time. I wanted to be a part of that. I mean, that, that, whatever that was going on, just that group of people, just that cohesiveness, I wanted to be a part of that. And so I just kind of got into the game at a really early age and And man, the rest is history.
0: Yeah, I think that all sports teach us so many lessons on how we can be successful in sports as well as in life and business. So can you share with us some of the lessons that you've learned that you have applied throughout your life to be successful? For sure,
1: I you know what I I think like this even right now I'm, we're running our academy, but I think about all the parallels with life and all the life lessons that we're trying to teach and give our kids that are participating in Ivy League's Youth Sports Academy, and I, I I think that one big piece is is communication and how we communicate with each other, and so sports teaches us so much about how we communicate when we communicate and how to effectively communicate. And definitely, I think one of the major life lessons that I've learned as relates to sports is, is communication. I think time management, discipline, just so many different parallels. Like I can kind of go down. There's a there's a laundry list of things that correlate with athletics in life and with girls. And we're working with girls right now. That level of confidence that you have being a part of something bigger than yourself really has had an impact on me. And, and and hopefully we inspire some of our younger generations to feel the same way I feel about
0: athletics. I love that you bring up confidence because that's such an important part of being able to move the ball and be successful. If you will, I like to define confidence as being the ability to figure things out, like, you know, that you're going to do whatever, whatever you have to do, whatever it takes, and that you've got this, right? It's not you don't know all the answers you don't have. Sometimes you do have doubts, but you're like, you know what, no matter what, I'm going to go and I'm going to figure out what I need to do so that I can be successful. So I'm really glad that you brought up confidence. So I want to talk about your time playing basketball at Nebraska for a little bit. I mean, you've had some impressive stats, for example, you know, you've scored eight 30 point games in your career. Also, I want to ask you about there was a game where you guys played Illinois and you scored 46 points. The team ended up losing that game, but 46 of of the eighty-seven points, talk to us about that.
1: Well, you know what? It's crazy because I think that the part of me at Nebraska—one, I, I love my state. I, I am a native Nebraskan folk, and so I, I love Nebraska. Nebraska has been good to me as a state. The fans are incredible here. The, my support system in my village has been wonderful. So it was—it was really kind of natural that I ended up at Nebraska. My my family loves Nebraska. So ended up there. And, you know, what's really interesting, there's a lot of parallels with me playing at Nebraska and also what we did in high school. And so I went to my high school school that I went to Omaha Central High. We went my junior, senior year, we went undefeated. And so, but prior to me being there as a ninth grader, we weren't, we weren't very good. At and then my, my dad said to me, I said, Central's not good, and he said, "Then make it better." And so the same exact thing when I signed at Nebraska. Nebraska actually didn't even know that I was going to come to Nebraska. I had quite a few other schools that were interested in me, and I ended up signing with Nebraska on, the, on letter of intent day. And so I went down there, and and they weren't good. My freshman and sophomore year, and I, I said the same thing. My dad said the same thing. He said, "Then you make it better." And we just kind of got on that journey. Collectively, as a unit, there was four of us—three of three or four of us—that came in as freshmen. We finished up our senior year at Nebraska as first time ever winning a Big Eight title. Obviously, you talked a little bit about me hitting the two thousand mark, but we were really kind of on a journey together, collectively. And I think you know what—what what really happens and what happened for me in athletics is that. You know the success and accolades that I had as an athlete are really kind of just a byproduct of of the passion and love that I have for the game and the passion and love that I had for my teammates during the
0: time that we were together. And you talk about being on the journey collectively. Right, to, to improve as a team and, and lead it to that next level. Can you talk about some of the things that, you, what were some of the things that you guys did to feel like you're more of a team and a, co- a cohesive unit? And so that you could feel that dynamic that you were all in this together, so to speak, and wanting to take it to the next level so that you could have the success that you did. One of the first things that we just,
1: we kind of really just initially kind of talked about the things that we wanted to accomplish. I think maybe our freshman year, we were just really kind of just, we, we were being freshmen. Trying to figure out the landscape of uh, you know college athletics, what that looks like, how we are going to leave our imprint on the game, and and I'm gonna tell you one of the biggest things was is that we just we worked hard. We were we were blue collar workers, and we went to work every day. We showed up to work every day, and our job was to be better players every time we left the basketball court. We had collectively as a group decided that that's what we wanted. And I think as that journey went on, we knew there were some other things because as we, as we were in the lab trying to get our games together, so was everybody that was playing in the Big Eight at the time, which is the Big Ten now. So everybody's in the lab trying to get, get their game together. So we had to go next level. And so we ended up competing and going uh, spring training with the football team. At the time, Nebraska was like a dynasty to go out there and just train with the football players and just be competitive or you're showing up was just like, it was critical for, for the turn of that program. And really it just like, for me, I think one of the imprints that, that, that left on me, even as I had an opportunity to coach college athletics was that I had my players train with boys and it sped us up and it it allowed us to improve as, Women on the court. And so definitely has some benefits with just some of the things that we just kind of naturally organically happened in our lives.
0: Absolutely. I think that that's great. And when you train with other people outside of the normal people that you, you play with, you get better because they're, they have different skill sets, right? So I think that's awesome that you guys did that. So, you know, not everything on the court goes the way that you want it to. Not everything off the court goes the way we want it to, right? And so can you talk to us about a time where Maybe you faced some adversity or things weren't going the way you wanted. And kind of how do you reset and and refocus so that you can get back on track when things happen like that?
1: Oh, man, for sure. One of the things that happened, I mean, we we prepared ourselves. And I'm I'm thinking about our junior year as as we are upperclassmen. And so junior year, you go out and individually, you know, I had, I had a lot of success as an athlete, but collectively as a whole, we weren't where we need to be as a team. And so I had to kind of reevaluate what my role was going to be. And I think, I think all good leaders make the people that are around them better. And so, and, and I don't even necessarily know if I was intentional about that. I just think that I I, didn't, I wasn't as aware of it now as I was back then that that was important to do, but I knew at that point in time I needed to get up my other teammates involved. And so by my senior year, it's just kind of like, hey, so 11th leading scorer in the country my junior year. Um, my senior year dropped my stats down as far as the points that I scored per game, but Everybody else's stat line went up. And then it it led to us being successful and winning the Big Eight title for the first time in school history. But also my senior year, we were playing in a red wine game. Teammate boxes me out, boxes me out, hits my knee. I think I hyperextend my knee, but actually I tear my meniscus. And we're at the top we're at the time they're saying, Hey, well, you probably need the red shirts. I played my whole senior year in Nebraska with a torn meniscus. And we we ended up still winning a big A title. And you know, I mean the rest of the things that I accomplish is in the history books. And so definitely some adversity, but it prepares you for life. As we can get through those things, you know, as our in our younger ages, what we realize is, is that we can get through a lot of things. We can get through most things. And and we do. And that's those are kind of some of the groundwork that was laid in our twenties that we we utilize and take advantage now in, in our older ages.
0: Absolutely. The adversity that we go through definitely prepares us to be more successful as we continue on in our journey in life. So you mentioned coaching a few minutes ago. So let's talk about coaching for a second. It's very different, as you know, to be a player, to be an effective player and to be an effective coach. right? So can you share with us in your mind how as a coach what are some of the key things that you think are important to be able to enable, empower, inspire your team to be great? First of all, I think you got to be a student of the game, right? You can only teach what you know. So I think in
1: order to feed kids, players on on that platform and whatever platform that is, you got to be a student of your craft. I think as 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 I had some success as an athlete you know, in my career, I think the assumption was, was that you automatically are, you become a good coach. I don't necessarily feel like great players become great coaches. I think that if you want to coach the game, you're passionate about it and you love the game. And, and I, I am a player's coach. You know, I'm going to love on my players because I think that, you know, anytime that you are afforded a platform to be able to teach, you need to embrace that and make sure that you feed the people that you're teaching life lessons so that they become better and you always want to inspire and so for me like that coaching platform although I wanted us to win and I want my kids to be able to feel what that feels like you know I also recognize that there was opportunities for me as a leader And as a coach and somebody that was that was entrusted where families entrusted me with their young girls to empower them to be better people. And that was really kind of what I wanted to use my platform for. And it was it was an honor to be a coach. I love being a coach.
0: I really like that you talk about being a student of the game because you're right. You can't teach what you don't know. Correct. And so it's very important. And I completely agree with you. you know, just because you're a great player doesn't mean you're going to be a great coach. And we've seen that time and time again in many different sports.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, I think my first, Couple years as a coach, I probably struggled. And then, and then once I kind of figured out, you know, what my coaching philosophy was going to be and, and how I wanted to approach utilizing that platform, it, uh, it, it started taking off. And like I said, I mean, you definitely. In whatever area that you're doing, in whatever area that you're dealing with kids and young people, whether you're a teacher, you know, a coach or whatever you are, I think just being a student of the game uh, allows you to be able to feed folks in the way that, I mean, people get an opportunity to
0: grow and get better. Absolutely. So let's transition and talk about what you're currently doing now. You mentioned your academy earlier. I work with a lot of of athletes that try to figure out, okay, what is it that I'm going to do after I'm done playing football or basketball or some other sport? And we look at their branding, what they're passionate about, those kind of things. And you um, are obviously passionate about basketball and you formed this Ivy League Youth Sports Academy recently. Talk to us more about what drove you to start that and kind of the journey you've been on with the academy.
1: So what what happened was was that as I was recruiting student athletes as I as I, when I was coaching college basketball and golf what I what I realized was like in the state of Nebraska there was a couple things that were happening one was that a lot of parents were telling their kids like you're great and you're going to be really good on the next level but then when I would travel around the country and I would see other players Texas Chicago, Florida, Iowa, Kansas. I mean, those kids were head and shoulder a lot better than our kids. And so I was just kind of like, wow, you know what I mean? So something's happened. There was there were some kids that came out of Nebraska that were good. But at the time I was coaching at, it was a division one coach as I was an assistant coach at a division one school. And then I went to an NAI school and I coached there. You know, it's a different kind of caliber of kid that you sometimes get when you're at an NAI school. And so, but I couldn't really, I was like, wow, our kids, just the pool of those kind of kids that I wanted to go in the program, I wasn't seeing them in Nebraska. So I ended up reaching out to my mentor, who's my mentor right now, Bob Danahire. And he was the athletic director at UNO at the time. And so I just kind of, talk, well, he was at OPS at the time. And so I talked to him about maybe coming in and doing some work in OPS from a training standpoint and trainer training and mentoring standpoint with some of the coaches and some of the players. And so was fortunate enough to go in there and, in that capacity as a consultant for about seven years and just do skill development training and mentor the coaches that would allow me to mentor them and spend some time with them. It evolved into, you know, three years ago, Steve Eubanks, who is the uh, superintendent over athletics now for Omaha Public Schools, came to me and said, hey, would I be interested in taking over and work with the kids in youth sports fourth through seventh grade? I think all the lessons that I learned during that time that I did my training in OPS and my coaching at the schools that I coached at, I ended up being able to kind of put together Ivy Leagues Youth Sports Academy. And I think in addition to those experiences, all my experiences as an athlete, all the opportunities, all the platforms that I had, I could kind of sit back and reflect on the gaps in in youth sports. And some of the things that I felt like were going to be- benefit the kids moving forward, one was having a high athletic IQ. And that was important to me. And I feel like kids are going to court, they're playing the game, and they're not really fully understanding what that looks like as an athlete. And so it's important for me, foundationally, to make sure that we teach high high IQ stuff. So we have an academy. We go to classes on Saturdays, and the kids are in the classroom watching themselves on video and learning the rules and understanding the foundation of whatever sport that is that we're participating in, basketball, volleyball, soccer, golf. And so we have classrooms on Saturdays. I think the other thing is, is that just wanting to make sure that from an athletic standpoint, they were on the court and we worked on skill development and trainings. A lot of, there's a lot of focus on running leagues right now. And so you know, if you're running leagues all the time, when do you have time to work on the training and development aspect of your game? You know, so I felt like it was important just to kind of detach from the leagues. And we work specifically on just training and developing. That's all we do. And we do everything in the off season. So when basketball season is going on, we don't do any training and, develop, training and development. When, when basketball season is done, that's when we start training and development. When volleyball season is going on, we don't do training and development when volleyball season's over. It that's when we start, and so you know it gives us a gap and it, it inserts us in an area where I think that there was a gap. And man, it's been fantastic, and I am loving the impact that we're having on the community right now.
0: That's great. And something else that I like to ask people that have a business since you know we we've gone through this pandemic for the last year plus and people have had to adapt, adjust pivot, do things differently. And so can you share this us what that has been like for your business? I've worked a lot with, with small businesses kind of on that shift, as well as some athletes that have had academies and other businesses. So I like to hear from people kind of their journey. And what are some of the lessons they've learned over the last year and a half or so dealing with COVID and everything that's happened in the world?
1: Yeah, I mean, COVID was just like, wow. I mean, we were probably three months into just rolling out, you know, our inception was was volleyball. So we rolled out volleyball. We're like three months in, well, we're, we're like three weeks into volleyball and then COVID hits and the country, the world shuts down. And I was probably paralyzed for about maybe, a week and a half, two weeks, like what just happened? I had to kind of just really just kind of sit back and, and we had had some thoughts and some conversations, some initial conversations about what the virtual world looked like as it relates to kind of training and developing, but really just couldn't kind of really couldn't conceptualize how to put all that together. I just kind of paused for a minute. I called my director of volleyball, my director of basketball, and I just was like, Hey, listen we need to move some things forward. And so let's uh let's just kind of start having some initial conversations about the virtual world and what that training looks like. And man, I, we just kind of start going into the think tank and just kind of talking about the things that we needed to do, how we needed to kind of put that together. And once I just kind of start talking to him about it, they just, the concepts start coming. And man, our uh, our director of volleyball just took it and just like nailed it. I think, you know, what the parents appreciated, you know, just the effort that we put forth. And then it, it just kind of a, allowed us to kind of fine tune what that would look like moving forward. And, and to be perfectly honest, because that happened at the beginning of us starting the academy, it just became our new normal now. One of the probably biggest lessons that I've learned is just, just like, you know, not being afraid to step out there and try new things and and, and definitely being flexible. Having people that are around you that are flexible and and just I've been really fortunate just to have a wonderful team of people around me and and they they really make Ivy League go for, for us.
0: Well, I love that. And a couple of things that you mentioned that I I really, really liked. You talked about creativity. And I think this pandemic has forced us all to be creative and kind of think out of the box, although I don't like to use that term because I think people use it so much. But it it, it has forced us really to, to be creative so that we can continue to move forward in this new environment. And then flexibility. That's important as an entrepreneur, as someone, as a business leader, as someone who is trying to reach that next level of success, you always have to be flexible in your approach. Right. Because never, I mean, you may not have a pandemic or something that larger scale happens, but inevitably something's not going to go according to your plan and you're going to have to be flexible and adjust and pivot at some point. No doubt.
1: And I think the other thing is, is just being a progressive thinker. Right. I mean, because obviously, I mean, the one constant thing in our lives is uh, change. And so, you know, if you get stuck in the rut, I always talk about, you know, people are tired of watching old footage. It's time to create some new footage. We have been doing things and been real redundant and we, we're dealing with a different generation of kids. These kids that we're dealing with now have been engaged in the technology world. And you, you have to do things that are going to constantly engage them. And draw them into something that, that you're passionate about and, and you want them to become passionate about it. So it's going to, it's going to allow us to be flexible uh, or it's going to force us to be flexible, but it's going to also allow us to have to think out of the, uh, the box, so to speak.
0: Absolutely. And I really like what you said, that people are tired of watching the same old footage. So you have to create new footage. I wrote that down. I I like that. And I will uh, be sharing that with others and, of course, letting them know who told me it. That's fantastic. So tell people, how can they learn more about the Ivy League Youth Sports Academy? Where can they go to to learn more?
1: Man, well, you know what? Obviously, I uh, you can go to. IvyLeaguesUSportsAcademy.org and pull us up and, and learn as much as you want to learn about the program. I mean, we are, we are relatively new and, and we're still learning and growing and sharing. And so that's kind of part of, you know, our theme is just that we're learning and we're growing and we're sharing whatever nuggets that we have, because really we want to make sure we, we create a stronger village. And that's just going to be important for, that's important for our future is making sure that our kids feel safe. We, we are supportive of them and we put things in place so that they can be successful moving forward because that's that's who's going to carry us. And so I am just really pleased and honored to be a part of that process and be a part of just youth sports in general. So we, we're going to make some things happen and definitely looking forward to t- taking
0: Ivy League and youth sports to the next level. Well, I love everything that you're doing with Ivy League. You are moving the ball and I encourage everyone listening to go check out your sports academy. We will have the link in the show notes so people can go check you out and, uh, and all the great things that you're doing. So, Ortiz, what I want to do now is I want to take you through my two-minute drill and just ask you some questions. Are you ready? Uh, I am ready. All right. The first question is, what did you want to be when you were 10 years old? You know what? I don't know. I think
1: that uh, we watch so much TV, old school black and white TV. I think I was like, yeah, I just want to be a doctor or or an attorney because those are the things that you've seen, and and they seem to kind of have a really cool flow. And so I think at the time, I probably was just like every other ten year old, really didn't know, but just was like, hey, I want to be a doctor or a lawyer, but I loved. Dr. J, Julius Irving. And I was like, man, but I also want to be a hooper and I want to hoop like that.
0: Nice. I like it. My next question is who would play you in a movie about your life? That's a great question. And and I don't really know. I
1: think I probably couldn't do some of the things that I would want to do and I could where I could play myself. But I uh I don't know. Like hoopers. I I, I love loving basketball. So Sanee and and would be right cool back in her younger days. So you know what who could play me? Maya
0: Moore. Okay. I love for Maya Moore to play me. There you go. And you mentioned love and basketball. That was an awesome movie back in the day, by the way. I love that movie. I love it. Yeah, me too. So my next question is what is your favorite vacation spot?
1: Well, I love to travel. And one of my favorite places is Sedona, Arizona. I am kind of a uh it's kind of an oxymoron, but I'm kind of a conservative hippie. And so I think because I live in the state of Nebraska, you know, I kind of move in that space. But if I could really just kind of flow the way I want to, uh, I would probably just be kind of a hippie, you know, in uh, shorts, T-shirts, flip flops and have my locks just kind of flowing and hanging out. And Sedona's has just got that real positive energy that I just I love 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 that space but i do i, I am I, I love traveling i was uh, in europe a couple years ago before the pandemic hit and, and i also love italy and france and so but i think right now i would probably just say sedona arizona okay
0: um, my next question is
1: what is your favorite ice cream flavor you know what i'm a chocolate girl Definitely like the chocolate with a little bit of nuts in there, some cashews, pecan nuts in there, but definitely love my chocolate.
0: Oh, those sound good. Now you're making me hungry for some ice cream specifically. (laughs) (laughs) My next question is, what is a pet peeve of yours? You know what? I, I think probably folks that
1: talk a whole lot, but are not doing a whole lot. I always say, Communication without execution is just talk, right? Yes. If we're gonna, if we're gonna make some stuff happen, let's just make it happen. I don't want to talk a whole lot about it, so I just want to kind of keep things moving. We got lots of work to do, and uh, we we got a lot of broken systems in our country. We got work to do,
0: so I'm just like, let's not talk about it. Let's just make it happen. Amen to that. All right, my next question is: What book are you currently reading, or what podcast are you currently listening to?
1: <laughs> I am. I'm going to listen to your podcast. And so that's the podcast. I'm getting ready to link <laughs> up. But as far as books, I'm working on my doctor degree right now. So I got books every single month. I have a different book. Um, I'm in quantitative research right now. Methods, not a real exciting book. I did pull out Think and Grow Rich, which is a Napoleon Hill book. And I was like, "Yeah, I got to kind of get back into the flow." Um, I think it's a great book for young folks to read. Lots of lessons learned in that particular book, but um, I would definitely encourage that that book as a, as one of my top five reads.
0: Oh yeah, that that's definitely a great book. And you mentioned getting your EDD, which is fantastic. As you know, I'm big on education, seven degrees, so went a little crazy there. But I I think that's awesome that you're doing it. And B, I'm glad that I'm not in school. So good for you. <laughs>
1: seven degrees. There's no other degrees left that you can get it all. So good for you.
0: <laughs> and my last question is you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? Ooh,
1: wow. For sure. Which is crazy right now. Famous Maya Angelou. Man, I just think that just her headspace, just how she moved with with a lot of adversities and how she overcame those things was just like powerful to me yeah love 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 me some Angelo. who else as far as three if I'm hosting a dinner party I you know what gotta go with uh Barack man I um I love the way he just moved and carried himself and Michelle you know if we can do a couple piece I mean I think I just I love the way they moved and carried themselves during the eight-year tenure that they that they ran our country, and so definitely have a deep appreciation for the le- the way that things were presented as as a president, and so definitely that, and I don't know my last person, mm, gotta be somebody in Affleck. You know what? Definitely a uh, Vivian Stringer fan and uh, i think that she was she has been a wonderful pioneer for women in sports so is pat heel summit and so i'm going to cheat and add those two on there those two women on my list because they they've been awesome pioneers for women in athletics and so definitely i am riding on on their shoulders right now nice
0: all great choices sounds like a fantastic dinner party
1: man i would figure out what we're going to
0: eat there you go that's also an important part of the dinner party the food joys for sure so Morty says we look to close today's show tell people is there any other place that people can follow you on your journey are you on social media and if so where can they find you
1: we are we are on facebook at ivy leagues u sports academy and then we are on instagram at ivy league Youth Sports Academy on Instagram. And so those are platforms, the social media platforms that we're on. Obviously, our website, which is Ivy League Youth Sports Academy dot org. You know, what? we we want people to follow us. I mean, give us some feedback on some ideas and thoughts and things that could definitely help us propel uh, youth sports forward. And, you know, like I said before, I mean, we've been watching old footage for a really long time. It's, it's time to create some new footage. And so I want to be a part of uh, the solution and not part of the problem.
0: Oh, I love that. Again, I love everything you're doing with the Academy. And so I would highly encourage people to check out what you're doing and to provide feedback. That's how we get better. That's how we improve. That's how we get to be more creative, too, and how we yeah. can make a bigger impact. So yes, please check it out. We'll have all of those links again in the show notes. And Mortise, thank you so much for being on the show today. It has been such a pleasure to chat with you. Man, I've loved it, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. And you are moving the ball. I love everything you're doing. And thanks again to everyone for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball.